Hey, y'all. Welcome to God on Tap. As always, I am Nika Spaulding, and we are, gosh, we're getting to the end of the book of Amos. We are already in chapter 9, and so we're going to look at the first half of chapter 9 today and then the second half tomorrow. And so, yeah, so here we go. Amos chapter 9, verses 1 through 10. Amos chapter 9, verses 1 through 10. This is the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord standing beside the altar, and he said, Strike the capitals until the thresholds shake and shatter them on the heads of all the people. And those who are left of them I will kill with the sword. Not one of them shall flee away. Not one of them shall escape. If they dig into Sheol, from there shall my hand take them. And if they climb up to heaven, from there I will bring them down. If they hide themselves on the top of Carmel, from there I will search them out and take them. And if they hide from my sight at the bottom of the sea, There I will command the serpent, and it shall bite them. And if they go into captivity before their enemies, there I will command the sword, and it shall kill them. And I will fix my eyes upon them for evil and not for good. The Lord God of hosts, he who touches the earth and it melts, and all who dwell in it mourn. And all of it rises like the Nile and sinks again like the Nile of Egypt, who builds his upper chambers in the heavens and founds his vault upon the earth who calls for the waters of the sea and pours them out upon the surface of the earth. The Lord is his name. Are you not like the Cushites to me, O people of Israel, declares the Lord? Did I not bring up Israel from the land of Egypt and the Philistines from Kaphtar and the Syrians from Kerr? Behold, the eyes of the Lord God are upon the sinful kingdom, and I will destroy it from the surface of the ground, except that I will not utterly destroy the house of Jacob, declares the Lord. For behold, I will command and shake the house of Israel among all the nations as one shakes with a sieve, but no pebble shall fall to the earth. All the sinners of my people shall die by the sword, who say disaster shall not overtake or meet us. This is the word of the Lord. Um, Gosh, this is, I keep saying this over and over again, and it's because Amos is one of those books that isn't exactly a feel-good book um, at first pass. I think all of Scripture is uh, a revelation of who God is, and so if you're looking to see who God is, then of course all of Scripture is then good, and it's instructive. Uh, and so if you if you keep pressing into it, you'll see that God is good and God does good. Uh, but there's some passages that at first glance you're like, whoa, that is, that's heavy. And that's exactly what we see. We should expect to see that because what we have already seen in the book of Amos is we have five visions. We've already seen the first four. Uh, They were interrupted, of course, with a little bit of that narrative about where Amos is going up against the prophet Amaziah. And this is the fifth and final vision. This is it. This is getting to the end of Amos's book. And so since it's the final vision... And since each of them have been growing in intensity, and um, you know, if you remember the first few, Amos, like a Moses, intercedes for the people, and God says, "Okay, sure, I'll relent." Um, and then in these last visions, there is no intercession, there is no, you know, there is no turning away of the Lord with His wrath. Instead, He's going to pour it out, and so. Like we've said over and over again, there are repetitive elements in the book of prophets. And so some of those repetitive elements that we see today um, is the consistent message that I'm going to tear down your altars. So that's how this fifth vision starts. Amos is seeing God uh, standing beside the altar. And we're to understand that this is the altar in Bethel because he's going to destroy it. So the very altars that are taking place in, in Damascus and Bethel and all this false worship that's going on, 
God is now standing beside the altar and he is going to destroy them. And then with the rubble of that destruction, it's going to fall on the heads of the people. And then if the destruction falling on your head doesn't kill you, then he's going to kill you with the sword, right? And so we're continuing in this idea of the inevitability of God's judgment coming upon the wickedness. So, you know, if we were to have like Amos, Greatest Hits, 760 BC CD come out, song number one, God doesn't like false worship at the altars. Here's this song. This would make it into the chorus of that song. I'm going to strike down your altars. Song two, you know how you think you're going to escape? Nah, you ain't. And it's a it's a catchy beat. It's kind of upbeat because he's like, bow, bow, bow. Because remember earlier, he's like, you're going to flee from the lion. Then you're going to run to the bear. Just have the snake bite you. Similar idea here. You think you can escape this. And so he says, you're going to dig into Sheol. Um, Sheol, 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 however you want to pronounce it. This word for Sheol, some people think that it means hell. That's not exactly what's happening uh, the Hebrew readers would have understood this as just the place where the dead go, the place where you bury and place your dead. And so the idea being if you if you go low down into the ground where you place the dead, God will find you there. And then in the next verse, and he says, but if you if you go up to heaven, and again, this idea of heaven isn't isn't this cosmic angels with harps, bling, ding, 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 playing in heaven idea. It's where the birds are. And so there's this poetic interplay of the inescapability of God's judgment. Just like you can't outrun the lion, the bear, the snake, you can go down or you can go high, but God is going to find you. And why is that? Because he's omnipresent. He's everywhere. You can't escape God. And so just real quick, the flip side of that we have in Psalm 139, right? Where can I go that you are not? And there is this real beauty in God's omnipresence that wherever you go, whether it's down or high or you're, you're running from God or you're trying to hide from God, God is there. Or if you're in the boardroom and you're nervous because you've got a big presentation or you're in the courtroom and you're nervous because you've got to try a case or you're in the operating room or you're wherever you are, God is there. You cannot go somewhere where God is not. And that is meant to comfort you. Unless, flip that coin over, And if you are the unrighteous and you're seeking to degrade others around you, then guess what? There is nowhere you can go that God is not. So you can go down, you can go up. It talks about going to the Mount of Withers, to the bottom of the sea, which we've seen that, right? I mean, very comically, we've seen that in the book of Jonah. Jonah literally goes down, 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 bloop, and gets swallowed up by a fish. He is in the bottom of the sea. And where is God? Right there. Because God is everywhere, and that is good news for the righteous. It's really good news for everybody, but I don't think the unrighteous would feel like it's good news when God is pinching them. Uh, and so he's, this is this idea that the, the second song on Amos' greatest hits, you try to escape God, it will not happen. And then third song on, wow, Amos music, 760 BC, would probably be something to the effect of, do you not know who God is? Uh, let's go ahead and play his resume for you. And so we've seen this over and over again in the book of Amos. I'm the one that brought you up out of Egypt. I'm the one that cleared out the land for you. I'm the one that walks on the seas and, and skips across mountains. And so we see this again, that the Lord touches the earth and it melts, which for those of you in Dallas right now, I get it. The whole earth is melting because of the sun. But Let's pretend like it's not always 155,000 degrees outside. But yeah, God touches and he melts. He makes the Nile move, which to the ancient 
reader of this, the Nile is this very ferocious river that it seems like who could control it? And God's like, me. I tell the Nile where to go, where to stop, when to come up, when to go down. I tell everything what to do because I am utterly sovereign and because his upper chambers are in the heavens and vaults there. And so song number three, don't you know who God is? And then song number four on that album, wow, greatest hits Amos album might be he's the God of all the nations, not just Israel, right? Some some catchy little tune that I think probably has a little bit of banjo. And it's like ding, 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 ding. And because we start the book talking about the nations and it's fitting that we're going to end the book talking about the nations. And if you remember, Israel is very arrogant in their ethnicity. They think because God has chosen them that that allows them to have a superior position that they can use for their for their advantage, however they deem fit, right? Oh, we're God's chosen people, so we can trust that God will be here in the day of the Lord for us. We can trust that God will continue to protect us. We can trust that God will continue to allow us to thrive in the land. And God is consistently reminding them through this book, I am not just your God, I am the God. And my election of you was for the purpose of mission, You are not chosen so that you can be arrogant. You are chosen so that you will partner with me in the mission to go about and reclaim what is God's, what has always been God's. And so it's fitting that this book would start with the nations and also end with the nations. And what is maybe a little bit of uh, an insult to the nation of Israel, because you can imagine, as you know, we've talked about this in the early, early episodes of this podcast, you know, they're hearing about the sins of the nations. And you can imagine they're like, yeah. We told you those Edomites were idiots. We told you the Moabites were morons. And now what we see God saying is, look, I'm going to put Israel in a sieve with the nations. And we're going to shake that sieve, which a sieve is just this like, you know, tunnel thing to separate out. If you were to sieve like maybe, you know, water from the rocks or dirt from the whatever. It's it's like, think of like a, a colander, if you will, a way to like, you get you keep what you want and what you don't want gets out. And so God's saying there's this God-sized sieve where he's going to put the nation of Israel and the other nations all together in this sieve. And those that are righteous will, will be restrained and those that are or will be kept and those that are not will face the consequences of what God has been warning them about all along. And so Again, we are seeing, you know, maybe song number five of Amos's greatest hits. Wow, Amos, 760 BC, might be something like Find the Remnant. And it would be like a really cool, spooky song that I think has some bass in it. I don't know. Y'all, I don't know anything about music at all. That's why these titles are terrible. And every time I sing, I know you turn your volume down. So however, Find the Remnant song we go, or maybe they just take the where in the world is Carmen Sandiego song from our childhood and like overlay some lyrics to it. But you can play find the remnant in this passage as well. In verse eight, he says, and I will destroy it from the surface of the ground, talking about the the sinful kingdom. And he says, except that I will not utterly destroy the house of Jacob. Why? Because God is a God of covenant. And he has made promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then and then subsequently he made promises to David. And because of those, same to Moses, and because of those promises, God is going to remain faithful to those promises. And so because of that, he can't utterly destroy the whole nation. Now look, can God do whatever he wants? Yes. But does God violate his truthful character by breaking covenant even in the midst of our rebellion? No. 
God keeps his side of the covenant even when we're unfaithful. God loves us even when we rebel. God maintains his promise. He's a promise-making, promise-keeping God. And that's why we can play Find the Remnant. So song number five, you pop that CD in and you can see it right here at the end of this book. And so to summarize what's happening here, God is has been warning Israel throughout the entire book of Amos. We think the book of Amos was written about 760 BC. They've got a couple more decades to repent. He has warned them through words. He has warned them through woes. And now he's warned them through visions. Not one, not two, not three, not four, cinco. Five visions that have ratcheted up God's language. And then sprinkled within those visions, woes, warnings is a consistent reminder of God's character, his promises to Israel, and that he would relent if they would repent, and consistent reminders that those that remain righteous will be spared. It is a profound message in this book. And it shouldn't surprise us that Amos's greatest hits are what we're, you know, sort of closing out this book. The, the last part of chapter 9 that we're going to talk about tomorrow is, is entirely different from what we've read. So if you guys have been like, gosh, it feels like we're just taking right hook, left hook, right hook. Tomorrow is going to be a breath of fresh air. But in all these right hook, left hook, right hooks that you're seeing from the Lord, I feel like I've tried to continuously take our shoes off if we are in the privilege and, and the camp that seems like this is harsh, take those shoes off, take off the shoes of a modern reader, take off the shoes of upper middle class, take off the shoes of a Dallasite, however, whatever shoes that you're bringing to the table. And I think what God consistently wants us to do is put our sandals on of the ancient world and people who are oppressed. And then it's able upon that, that grid, when we smack that grid down on the Bible, then we're able to go, this is good news. This is good news that God cares about the oppressed and he cares about the poor, that he cares about the downtrodden. This is good news. And if I don't see it as good news either, I'm in the wrong camp and I need to repent real fast. Or I need to have eyes to see those around me who are crying out for justice. And so our so what for today is, um, friends, I'm recording this on the heels of the shootings that happened in El Paso and then Dayton. Um, I, I live in Texas. The El Paso one hurt personally. You know, it just felt too close to home, even though I know it's an eight-hour drive. There's just something about this Texas unity. And uh, I live in an area that is predominantly Hispanic, and so it felt it felt personal, honestly. And then to wake up the next morning to find out that there's been another massive shooting was... Um, it was profoundly sad. I am profoundly sad for my country, for my for my friends, my minority friends. Um, I'm sad for um, a lot of what I see in the world. And so the so what, I think some of y'all probably feel that way too. And, and here's what I'd say is our so what is this, is God is just. God is just. And so many times when we read our Bibles and we try to understand God's character or what he's doing, so many times we tend to apply it to ourselves and try to understand what does that mean in the context of my personal life. But now we have, unfortunately, 
an example where we are seeing atrocities done in the name of either white supremacy or frankly, some of Vegas, we never even understood the motive of the shooter in Vegas. There are things being done to groups of people that should not be done. Period. End of story. And it is a great comfort to know that there is nowhere the enemies of God can go to escape his justness. It is a great comfort to know that he uses that sieve to separate, that he doesn't use his anger wildly and burn the entire place to the ground, but instead God enacts his justness with perfect timing, with perfect accuracy. And that there are times that we look in the scriptures and we are grateful that God does not let iniquity go unpunished. Now, we have to read Amos in light of the cross. We have to. So on Sunday morning, when we had church at my church at St. Jude Oak Cliff, the lady that leads our prayers, a gal named Vonnie Gant, what she prayed for was for the salvation of the gunmen in El Paso. Because in light of the cross, there is still an opportunity for repentance. In light of the cross, there is nobody too far gone. In light of the cross, we have terrorists like Saul becoming Paul and leading the church. And we have his scriptures because of the cross, because of the cross, because of the cross. We are made right with God. Because otherwise, we would all deserve the punishment that we read about in Amos. And so because of the cross, there is hope. But because of the cross, that doesn't mean that God suddenly doesn't take iniquity seriously. So if you have been wronged, if you have been harmed, if you have been sexually abused, if your family has been has been harmed, if somebody you love has been gunned down, if you have seen the iniquity of evil as people oppress and push you down, then let the words of Amos cry out to you today. God sees that. And he cares. And God is patient for repentance, but he does not let iniquity go unpunished. Now, does Jesus take the iniquity upon himself for believers? Absolutely. So for those of us who are in Christ, our debt is paid. But if you need justice, then cry out to your God because he is just. And when you watch the news, because we know it's going to happen again and it breaks our hearts, know that you can cry out to God and ask him how much longer. Because you know the people behind the stories in Amos were crying out to God that very message. And it was God's goodness that in 722 he did not allow Israel to continue on in her iniquity. God loves you more than you know, and he is just, and he sees everything. And I don't understand the mystery that is the evil that goes on around us. I really don't get it all. But I know that I can run to God, who is just through it all. If nobody's told you today that they love you, I do. Way more importantly, the God of justice is crazy about you. Peace.